Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. It's a journey through the stories impacting rural economies and country lifestyles. Jay Madison's Rural America is also a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Now here's Jay. Yes, here we are on Jay Madison's Rural America. This is Jay Madison, host of the podcast, along with Ron Robbins, my co-host. Ron sitting across the table from me. How you doing, Ron? Good afternoon, Jay. Good what to a, see you, sir. What a beautiful stretch of weather we've had. Oh here. my God, I guess so. The, the sunshine, yeah, chilling off a little bit. Yeah, but, but you know that that's okay. Uh, crystal clear skies and uh we just do not get this kind of weather in october i was deer hunting uh i snuck out an hour wednesday maybe yeah wednesday i think it was and uh you know snuck out in the woods real quick and had a t-shirt on yeah i mean that that's how warm it was and that's that's really unusual really it has been very unusual and of course uh you know at old mcdonald's farm we've just been uh elated at uh, <laughs> these weekend weather and it looks like we've got our last weekend coming up here and uh looks like it's going to be great yeah i think the forecast is for sunshine isn't it absolutely it's going to yeah. be a little bit more uh seasonal seasonal temperatures yeah. but that's okay everybody expects it this time of year to be a little bit on the chilly side during yeah. the day yeah i mean this morning we had a nice white frost but that sun come up it was just gorgeous yeah absolutely so it's been great on the farm we're finishing up soybean harvest uh hopefully today maybe actually uh, so a lot of that harvest is wrapped up uh what are you seeing for yields uh better than we expected actually uh with the dry weather and uh everything that went on this summer but uh, we're a little bit below average but nowhere near as challenging as we thought it might be good 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 now your soybeans what will happen to them two things can happen they'll either go to export Okay. Or they will go to a processor, Dumont Grain, Dumont Farms in Auburn, New York. Uh, and we're actually uh, working and rela- developed a relationship with uh, Dumont Farms to collect soybeans out of this area and take to him. But he actually processes them into uh, soy meal for dairy cattle uh-huh. and then uh, refines the oil for biodiesel. Oh, really? So yeah. soybeans from Jefferson County yeah. uh, potentially are going into the creation of biodiesel, which is good for the environment. Yeah. And, um, you know, as we talk about all these changes that are coming and green energy, uh, biodiesel is one of those things. Soybean production could really benefit from some of those policies. So, uh, you know, it still burns like diesel fuel, but it burns a lot cleaner. Uh, kind of smell like you got french fries uh, <laughs> so oh, just what i need to be following down the road something spe- that's speaking of which jay uh-oh um we talk about soy meal and a lot of soy meal gets fed to chickens yeah. and uh of course we opened a new chick-fil-a here in water yes, yesterday yes, I, I have not been anywhere near well good I, thing because i hear yesterday the line was consistently an hour and 45 minutes long oh my god until after nine last night so are you kidding me somewhere along the way i think between twitter and uh tiktok people lost all their common sense right jeez <laughs> standing in line that long for a fast food place 
place. I mean, I like Chick-fil-A. I've been to one once or twice, but. Oh, yeah. we I seek them out when I'm traveling, especially down south. They're, I mean, they are very good. Uh, their staff is very well trained. Uh, you know, it's a great company. Uh, strong religious values. Yep, uh, I like that about the company. Uh, the closed on Sunday, I like yep, that, that they yep. treat their employees. Yeah, and way. their employees are always so well trained, so friendly. And, uh, you know, you, it's always a great experience to go in there. But <laughs> not worth wait. an hour and 45 minute <laughs> wait. 45 <laughs> they minutes. said cars were backed up clear back out through the old Stateway Plaza oh my. parking lot all the way back out towards Coffeen Street. Jeepers. I mean, that's that's long. That's probably, what, a mile? A mile, a mile yeah. across there for our listeners that aren't from here in the community. That's just crazy. All waiting for Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Jefferson County, County Chick-fil-A. Chick yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I do look forward to going, but I'm going to wait till the line drops. Well, here's the good news. We had our uh, CWT Farms, our new egg hatchery. Yeah. Uh, we had the... Uh, the pro project manager and uh, one of the uh, head honchos from uh, down south up in town this past okay. week. So they'll they'll produce the chicks that become their broiler chickens that become Chick Fil A Boy. eventually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right here in Jefferson yeah. County. Yeah, From from the butt nugget to the yeah. <laughs> to the chicken nugget. Well. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Just to put it in very blunt terms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, yes, so a lot, yes. lot happening here, and uh, it's always good to see progress, I guess. Right? Absolutely, absolutely it is, and uh, very exciting to uh, see, see things uh, heading in the right direction. Hey, before I forget, Ron, uh, Cornell Cooperative Extension of Jefferson County sent me over some information and asked me to promote their dairy feeder school coming up on let's see this is november 2nd so not that far away uh the cornell cooperative extension of jefferson county and lewis county uh their dairy feeder school will be on november 2nd and it's going to be at Murcrest farm from 10 a.m to 3 p.m that's going to be offered in english and spanish at okay each, at each site and uh, looks like they're going to have a great uh, a great lineup of topics: economics and, and importance of feeder center analysis, uh, dry matter and feeder math basics, how to measure, work it into ratio, uh, refusals, adjust ration based on dry matters, feed software, all kinds of great topics. Yeah, lots of technological uh, advances included in there. We always tell our guys that feed our cows on the dairy, they have the most important job on the farm. It, that's where it all starts, doesn't it? And I mean, they are handling hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of feed inventory right. on an annual basis. So managing that inventory is really important. Making sure the rations going to the cows are you know put together correctly, mm -hmm. mixed properly, delivered timely is all real important to the life of the dairy cow and the impact that has on her milk production. Well, how sensitive is that dairy cow to uh, changes in feed? Let's say somebody screws up one day. Uh, very sensitive. Okay, so it could result in pounds of milk loss? Pounds of milk loss, good sickness. Oh, okay. You know, uh, okay. stomach bug basically uh, throws their... 
you know, their metabolism off. Because with these ruminants, their their biology uh, of their their digestive system is very sensitive Absolutely. to changes, yes. and it doesn't deal well. It 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 needs slow change, not yes. abrupt bam type change. Yeah. For instance, you know, if we're moving from maybe finishing one pile of feed, moving into a new pile of feed, we want to make sure we transition those cows slowly. So we will start the new pile while we're still finishing. finishing the old pile, and we'll introduce that gradually to the cows hmm. over wow. you know, a week or 10-day time frame. So it's it's that critical. Yes. So like you said then, these these folks that are your, your feeders that are putting all of the feed together, mixing that ration, uh, their job is absolutely critical to the success of the dairy. That's absolutely the case. Very interesting. Very interesting. So this uh, this uh, uh, training program, it's a one-day on-farm training for dairy farm feeders. This is November 2nd from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Uh, registration is $50 per person, which includes lunch. You do need to register uh, through the Cornell uh, website. It's NCRAT, N-C-R-A-T dot C-C-E dot Cornell dot E-D-U. Um, so just look for that. Um, it's the Dairy Feeder School one day on farm training for dairy farm feeders, November second, from ten a.m. to three p.m. Now this is the same school is going to be offered around the state. For example, November third, it's in Central New York. Uh, November fourth and eighth is in South Central New York. November 9th is in Southwest. Western New York. So all over the state. If you have questions, if you can't find the registration, uh, give Cornell Cooperative Extension a phone call at 315-788-8450. That's here in Jefferson County, 315-788-8450. And don't forget, that's coming up November 2nd, which is one Next Wednesday. Yeah, next Wednesday. So don't wait on registering for that program. Looks like it'll be a lot of great information. So we yeah. were gonna we were gonna talk a lot about dairy today, folks. Um, we have a lot of different topics to uh, get through. So hopefully, uh, hopefully you can keep up with us as we go through things. Now, uh, I was reading, Ron, that um, forecasts for next year's dairy price are. They're saying it's going to inch higher. What are dairy prices doing right now on the farm? So we've actually inched lower. We spent the first uh, eight to nine months of the year, the calendar year here, uh, at really record high prices. Really? And we did inch lower over the last uh, month and a half or so. The futures market is down. A lot of that is due uh, mainly to money flows in and out of those markets, Uh the big money uh, is moving money to the sidelines, out of commodities here currently. We've got a lot of economic chaos going on, I guess is the right word. And, and that's one of the things I was reading, Ron, uh, in this forecast was to expect a lot of volatility in the dairy industry, correct. Uh, dairy prices for the next year. And uh, not to be afraid of that volatility, but to manage for the volatility. Yeah, it's really going to be important for producers to keep an eye on their cost of production. And when they see opportunities to lock in a portion of, uh, you know, lock in good margins on a portion of their production to do so, because we are going to see significant volatility. If prices happen to be high for a 
for a period of time. Take advantage of that. Lock some of those prices in. Same way with feed. We're going to see a lot of volatility in soybeans and corn and, and other feed commodities. It's going to be really important to, to pay attention to those uh, price swings and that volatility. And you're never going to price everything. You're not going to price your milk at the highest price. You're not going to price your feed at the lowest price. But really pay attention to what it's costing you to produce 100 pounds of milk and try to lock in some good margins here. Yeah, so that makes sense. You know, like you said, you're not going to hit the highest, you're not, and you hope not to hit the lowest. But if you can lock in prices that provide stability, as long as you know your bottom line, uh, if you can lock in prices that provide stability in a time where stability might not be, yeah, might not exist, might right? not exist, yeah, then you're better off as a business. Now, when you said money flowing in and out, help our listeners understand what you mean. You were you were saying that uh, prices went down because money flowed out of commodities. Correct. Yeah, a lot of hedge fund money uh, has been moving out of commodity markets. We saw it move out of the stock market for a period of time. Now it's starting to flow back into the stock market. But with bonds high, the dollar is strong. Uh, you know, we've got this inflationary trend. We've got fears of recession. we got the Fed raising interest rates. we got all these factors that are going to whiplash us like, like yeah. an accordion here. On a, it's yeah. just really going to be, you know, back and forth. Yeah. An accordion on a polka day. Polka polka dance floor yeah (laughs) (laughs) if you can imagine it yeah (laughs) yeah you know but we're going to be just back and forth here yeah so again it's important to know your bottom line what you know what your cost of production is and then manage the volatility through that um yeah i had you know one of our consultants he sent us a little email this week just kind of talking about this time frame that we're in and relating it back to some of the what farmers went through and what our economy went through back in the 70s and 80s late 70s and 80s and uh, you know a lot of volatility high interest rates really recommending just you know hunkering down paying attention to your cost of production not try to hit home runs but at the same time you're probably not going to have strikeouts either right and so just be consistent, and uh, gonna be uh, it's gonna be an interesting couple of years here. Weather's gonna play a big role. So you and know, we're seeing enough volatility with the weather. That yes, good luck. Yes. And you know, I saw this morning where seventy some odd percent of the continental U.S. is in some shape or manner of drought. Drought. I mean, that's that's remarkable um, that that much of the United States is in in some form of a drought, some of it very severe, some of it not so so severe, but still that much drought across the United States that certainly will impact our our agricultural industries pretty significantly. For sure. Now, if we want to talk about the export side, volatility on on economic policies creates volatility from, from an export perspective. Strong dollar weakens our ability to compete in the world market. However, other parts of the country are experiencing significant downturns in production due to things like weather and and the drought that we just talked about. Yeah, government policies. Yep. Uh, so we're kind of the only game in town when it comes to feeding the world right now. Yeah, and that is very true because what we're experiencing here in the United States is even worse elsewhere, elsewhere. in the world right yes. now. 
So, for example, with dairy uh, in Europe, uh, what are you seeing as far as the European dairy market? Are they are they running into problems? Yeah. So they've they've got they're getting hit on two or three fronts over there. Got reduced production due to drought this past year. They've also got significant reduced production due to government policies, green policies, basically. That have just impacted the Yeah, dirt limiting the amount of fertilizer they can use, limit, limiting the amount of animals they can have on an acre of land. Um, so a lot of those farmers have, have had to reduce their herds. They've had to, you know, do with less production from their land. And that's ultimately impacting milk production. New Zealand's experiencing some of those same policies. Hmm. We see some of that being tried here, talked about here. Certainly it's in the news every night. Don't say too much, Ron. They're out there listening. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, it's pretty easy to see what happens when you try to pull the string that quickly. Right. Meanwhile, there's people going hungry all over the world, including here in the United States. Yeah. So, you know, we've talked about that before. Uh, it's an issue. We got to keep an eye on it. We got to re- recognize that we still have the need to feed people, to keep people healthy, and good, wholesome dairy products uh, goes a long way towards accomplishing that goal. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. When we say prices are going to inch higher, um, is that because of the decline in dairy production around the world then? Yes. And our opportunity to expand export more dairy products yes okay and even with an economic slowdown here which you know we all wonder when it's going to happen it doesn't seem to be you know people are still eating out they you know they may they will begin though over time as i think as we come towards the end of the year to start reducing spending interest rates inching higher you know cost of living groceries are more expensive gas going to go back up here it looks like they've got home heating oil and, and electric that they've got to deal with this winter uh so that will impact domestic consumption but exports should pick up the slack you know i will i will say that mrs madison and i we have cut back we you know for example buying pizza at a pizza shop mm-hmm. has has gotten extremely expensive so, you know, I've said, hey, let's, uh, you know, especially when my son's back from college, let's cut back on the amount of pizza we're ordering. If you want pizza, we can make it at home. And mm-hmm. in my opinion, a lot of times it's better. Uh, but, you know, just that alone, fuel prices, even though they've dropped here a little bit, we know they're going to go up once we stop draining the uh, strategic oil Correct. reserve. So we know that price is going to come back up. It's an artificial. It's an artificial price control right now that we've put in place, and eventually that will hit us. You know, we know diesel is in trouble. Diesel fuel supply mm-hmm. is in trouble. So th- things are coming, um, and I hate to be a naysayer, but things are coming, and we have to, you know, we have to be prepared for it. But um, so it's, it's crazy times. Crazy times out. So there. the key there is just pay attention to yes your P's and Q's on the farm and watch what it's costing you to produce milk and operate on a monthly basis and uh, do the best you can to keep your head low, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we, uh, uh, you know, we've talked a lot 
here on the show about the the uh, overtime regulations, the uh, farm labor overtime requirements that New York State uh, uh, has been talking about. Uh, the Cornell University College of Agriculture and Life Sciences just released a new report on October 19, 2022. Uh, they did a survey of farms here in New York State to see how farms are dealing with this. And it was pretty interesting. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of information uh, that they looked at on this. Um, according to what I was reading, Ron, they, they indicate that uh, a majority, a, a very overwhelming majority of farms have tightened up their, uh, their um, ability for, how do I want to say it? Well, I think it's probably their scheduling, basically. Yeah, there's, there's you scheduling. You know, and how they, uh, how they schedule employees, uh, how much free time they allow employees versus, you know, I, I know we, we don't like to, on the farm, it's okay, you know, you're clocking in at 7 a.m. in the morning, so maybe everybody kind of stands around for a half an hour or whatever and might have a coffee and talk about what you're going to do for the day. I think these overtime rules are going to, they're going to eliminate <laughs> that kind of downtime, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and lunches, you're going to clock out. We're not going to pay you for for lunch anymore. Yeah. And those are all things that we do now that we're going to have to make hard choices. Yeah. And uh, according to the results of the survey, it was only like 38% of the dairy farms surveyed said they actually intended to just go along with it and just pay more overtime. Um, yeah. So that that's an indication that it's there's going to be an impact, a, a negative impact on the farm worker. Yes. If only 38% of the dairy farms are saying, oh, yeah, we're just going to go along, we'll pay more overtime. What does that mean? They're not going to pay the overtime, right. which means they're doing exactly that. They're tightening up on work schedules and uh Tightening protocols, you know, tightening work schedules, making sure everybody's operating at peak efficiencies, uh, you know, really no, not being lax about uh, allowing things to, to go on that maybe have been going on for a long time and just sticking to the rules and, okay, you're here for a schedule and that's it. That's it. And, you know, get to work and yeah. then you're done working. Yeah. Period. Amen. Which, in the end, means that farm workers will probably not make as much money as they used to. Right. That's the bottom line, which yep. is unfortunate. Of course, you all know my opinion about this. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've talked about it before, and this was not done to benefit the worker. No, it was and not. And this was to appease the unions, and it was to generate tax dollars, tax revenue for our, our great state of New York. So, uh, And that's even one that I would go out on the limb and say, I agree. Yeah, you know, I will I just and I it's really sad because we have a lot of very dedicated farm workers in this state that show up every morning, work really hard. They get paid very well. Uh, and ultimately, they're the ones that ended up, you know, they suffer the most. The farm owner is next in line. And ultimately, the consumer will be impacted. Exactly. Exactly. All because of New York City. That's yeah. what about. That's the bottom line of that. All because of New York City. But we'll see. We'll see what happens.
Well, we do have an election coming, so we'll see how that all plays out. <laughs> yeah, too. that part I have to, woo! Yeah, you know, yeah. well, you know, hey, everybody has a, yep. has a right to their opinion. Exactly. And, uh, and you, you can state your opinion in the voting booth. <laughs> that is exactly right. That is exactly right. Now, another topic that I wanted to touch on, Ron, uh, in the dairy industry um, it appears the National Milk Producers Federation, which is the national organization that the dairy cooperatives belong to, correct? Correct, correct, correct. if I'm saying that wrong. So, for example, uh, Dairy Farmers of America, DFA, that's a milk cooperative that you're a member of. Correct. They would belong to, they would be a member of the National, national milk, milk Producers yes. Federation. So they just had a a annual meeting, a leadership mm-hmm. meeting, and they have re they have endorsed a plan, if you will, to modernize the the national milk marketing order, the federal milk marketing order. Yeah. Which for listeners that may be going, what the heck is that? That's basically the national guidelines on how milk is priced. And then the cooperatives and the dairy plants work from that to to uh, adjust the prices, add correct. premiums or add costs uh, to that price. Am I mm. am I saying yes. this correctly? Yeah, and it's really meant to provide fair and stable pricing across the various value chains of the dairy industry. Everything from milk you buy in a in a jug to cheese, to cottage cheese, soft products, ice cream. It's it's meant to, you know, provide that fair and stable pricing system so that areas of the country that might not be, you know, strong in dairy uh, have, have access to dairy products at a fair and stable price. And it's very complicated. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, they've, some people say there's only four people that understand uh, how milk is, how the milk price is set, and three of them are dead. <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I was going to say four, but yeah, so, yeah it's, it's, it. but so the modernization, we've all talked for a number of years that federal milk pricing rules and regulations, they were established a long, long time ago. I think initially back in the 30s, maybe. Uh, that's what, 1930s. Yeah. That's how long yeah. ago. Yeah, so nearly 100 years ago. Yeah. Um, and they've been modified over time, several times. And it really, it's it's a... It's, it's literally an act of Congress to change milk pricing rules and regulations. So there was a change made two or three years ago that, that quickly was identified as being a very bad change. Um, and it had to do with calculating a price that would be used to as a, as a basis for setting the price of milk you buy in the store, you know, fluid milk. Right, right. And COVID hit, this new change had a very negative impact on producers, processors. So there's some work that's looking to do to change that, get that back straightened out again. According to information I have from the American Dairy Coalition, um, they're indicating that that change that you're talking about cost a net loss to farmers of $868 million and counting. Yes. That's how significant that, that yeah. negative impact was. And uh, it, it um, 
It caused a rash of fluid milk company bankruptcies, plant closings, and uh, have followed in the four years. Uh, well, that's what's happened four years yeah. uh, okay. ago. That class one formula change. And class one uh, milk, folks, that's your fluid milk. That's the jug of milk you buy in the grocery store. That's in a category called class one. Class two is your cultured dairy products, your yogurt, your sour cream, your cottage cheese. Those are uh, cultured dairy products. That's class two. Class one gets the highest price. Class two, the next highest price. Class three is your cheeses. Like here in Jefferson, well, okay, and, and, and in Jefferson County, the HP Hood plant up in Lafargeville would be a class two plant. They're a cultured dairy plant because they make sour cream, cottage cheese, mm-hmm. and so on. Great Lakes cheese down in Adams, that would be a class three plant. They make cheese. Cheese is your class three milk. Class four is your powders. Uh, the powders that go into making whey protein concentrate, milk yeah. protein concentrate. Where does butter fall in that? Butter's a four. Okay, so butter is a class four product. Yeah. So that gives you an idea of when Ron and I talk about classes, that gives you an idea of what those classes are. And it goes class one's the highest price, class four is the lowest price, generally. Generally. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that changes, though, right? Yeah, and that when when that that's very complicated. Yeah, and when that <laughs> flip flops and goes upside down, it causes all kinds of problems, and uh, that's why it's important for these. You know, these rules and regulations to to try to provide some stability for those those times when things think, do turn upside down, which did happen with the supply disruptions and everything from COVID changing and buying habits and all that. It caused a major problem. So, Ron, with, uh, with the federal milk marketing order, what do you hear um, from yourself and other farmers it would be the desirable change to the federal milk market. So, I mean, they're they're talking about how they set this class one mover and changing that formula back to the way it actually was with some unique modifications. Um, the dairy industry strongly supports making that change. There's been some other things discussed that uh, uh, will help dairy processors um, because we all know everybody's costs are going up. Right. And because milk is such a regulated product, everybody, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand that we as dairy farmers, we don't have any say in in your price. In our price. None whatsoever. You you find out thirty days later yeah. what you're gonna get paid for that milk. And the milk processing plant is kind of in the same boat as we are. And when it comes to not having a lot of say, and you know, so as all of our costs are well, who the hell has the say then? Yeah, <laughs> that that one guy, <laughs> that one guy that's still alive, and nobody knows who the heck he is. But I mean, literally, I mean, you, the farmer, don't have much of a say. The milk processor do- doesn't have much of a say. So who has the say in dairy prices? It's like any time you have significant government interaction in setting pricing policies, ultimately the government has the say. And well, that's great. And, uh, <laughs> that's the scary part. And you know that when that happens, free market economics go out the window, right? And right. so, National Milk's role really is to look at this from thirty thousand foot level and say 
what can we do that's not going to harm consumers? It's going to benefit farmers, benefit processors, draw that happy medium and make those recommendations to Congress. Now, fortunately, here in the Northeast, we have Glenn Thompson, a House member uh, from Pennsylvania, who's been very, very active and strong on this topic. He, his staff is very well versed. We have uh, our Congresswoman, Elise Stefanik, uh, is very engaged as well. Um, her staff proved to us. Yeah, they were here. They understand it. Yeah. So we are we have some strong representation in the Northeast here of people that are looking out for all those impacted from this, from yeah. the consumer to the processor to the farmer. And I guess that's the important thing for the dairy farmers that are listening to this or anybody in the dairy industry is to maintain communication with our elected representatives, our congressmen and women, and our U.S. senators and let them know your thoughts on you know milk pricing and the federal milk marketing order so that they have our guidance on what needs to be done to make that work better. Because as I reported, $868 million net loss mm-hmm. since that last change to the federal milk marketing order. And that loss came at a time when, you know... Prices weren't that great. Yeah, and things were really upside down with yeah. COVID and... and supply chain disruptions and we're seeing the you know we were seeing these rapid rise in input costs and you know that hit at a really bad time yeah yeah well ron we have uh run out of time here thank you very much sir for coming in yeah time flies when you're having fun yeah we we hit a lot of topics hopefully everybody kept up with us you know we we don't go too much in depth on any one thing usually but we cover a lot of ground yeah, and it's important, I think, for listeners to, to hear some of this, to stay engaged, and uh, you know, and if they have questions, certainly feel free to reach out. Yeah, yeah, definitely give us a call. My phone number's right at the end of the show, yeah, so yeah. give me a call, and I'll put you in touch with Ron, because <laughs> he's got all the answers. <laughs> Set you up for that one, Ron. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't a good move. Uh, all right, folks, uh, have a great week, and uh, Ron and I will talk to you during the next podcast. Thank you for tuning Tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America. Make sure to join us weekly. If you have any questions about the show, call Jay at 315-782-5865. For more information, visit www.agricultureevents.com or jcida.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America.